This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Have you ever stopped to think about how universal is our love and devotion to the Mother of God and how close she was to her son while he was here on earth? But then we have to think, too, how close she is to him now in heaven. Well, I don't think there's any question to the fact that she is a direct link to his heavenly throne. All we have to do is take a look at the number of times she's visited this planet Earth. You know, I believe it's almost like she has to be constantly reminding us that she's only a prayer away from her son's throne. And those visits here cover a space of time of almost 2,000 years. That's something we probably don't think much about. And there are a number of titles she's received, most generally connected with an apparition. Let's see, there's Our Lady of Lourdes, there's Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima, and in the 20th century, there was Our Lady of Cabejo in Africa, about which we spoke not too long ago, in which she warned her children about the possibility of a deadly civil war, and her warning was ignored, and that civil war took the lives of tens of thousands in Africa. And there were many other visits, too. And why in so many places? Well, I think she's trying to tell us that she is the heavenly mother of us all. And sometimes she's given a reminder of her intercessionary powers on our behalf. And and that's what I want to talk about today. Our Lady of Chestahova sometimes referred to as Our Lady of Chestahova and Jasnagora. That's not two places, really. Jasnagora means bright mountain in Polish, and that's where our story unfolds. Now, in telling you the history of Our Lady of Chestahova, there are several facts that we have to mention first so that we can be historically correct, and that fact is always very important. First, Our Lady of Chestahova comes to us not in person, but in what we might refer to as a miraculous image, an icon, a picture. Now, there are two parts to the story. The first part is a legend dating back to the first days of Christianity, and in this legend there is continuity from its origin and a pretty impressive historical record of its creation and subsequent history. But, again, while its historical travels and locations are outlined, even pretty much to dates, the church in its wisdom refers to this time period as legend because there is not a 100% concrete proof. And that legendary period runs probably somewhere on or shortly after the year 33 to 1382. But after 1382, there are historical documents and records not only of its existence, but also the tremendous number of miracles that have been attributed to whom we refer to as Our Lady of Czestochowa, which today is one of Poland's greatest treasures. So, to best tell her story, we'll start with the legend that goes back to the very beginning. 
Now, we know that after Calvary and the crucifixion, John, as he was directed by Jesus from the cross, took the Blessed Virgin into his home and under his care for many years. And during that time, she was visited by the remaining apostles. But our story really starts even further back than that. Now, we know that Joseph made his living as a carpenter, and there is every indication that he taught the young boy, Jesus, the basic elements of carpentry. And so the legend begins in Jesus' youth when following the instructions of St. Joseph, Jesus constructed a small table for his mother. One can only imagine how she must have smiled and hugged the young Jesus when he presented it to her. Well, naturally, it became an important and sentimental object of her affection. Therefore, one can only assume that when she went to live under John's protection, she would take with her only those items of necessity as well as those with tremendous sentimental value, and undoubtedly that would have included the little table. We can only imagine how often she used that table, and certainly after the resurrection and ascension, it became even more important to her. Well, history tells us through the writings of Dionysius, the Carthusian, that after the ascension, many of the followers of Christ wanted to see or visit his blessed mother. Well, obviously, not everyone could do this. The numbers would be just too overpowering. Now, in Jerusalem, undoubtedly before John took her to Ephesus for her own safety, those who could not see Mary in person wished to at least see a picture of her, and and many prevailed upon St. Luke, who was an accomplished artist, to at least paint a portrait of her, and he agreed. So, While visiting the Blessed Mother, he noticed that little table that Jesus had made for her and the fine texture of the tabletop that would make an ideal foundation or background or canvas for a portrait. Undoubtedly, she must have agreed, and we can only imagine the conversations between the Virgin Mary and Luke as he painted the picture. Perhaps it was then she told him about the Annunciation, Jesus' birth, and, and many of the details we know today. Now, in the overall story of Our Lady of Chestahova, there are several quotes that seem to be related to this actual portrait, such as the testimony of Sixtus of Siena, who wrote, and I quote, St. Luke, after completing the life of Christ, with brush and paints, made a portrait of his blessed mother. End of quote. And later there was a Roman writer named Nisiphar who had written, and again I quote, the portrait of the blessed mother, St. Luke painted with his own hands while she was still alive. She saw the painting and impressed onto it the pleasing expression of her countenance. End of quote. So it does seem pretty factual that an artwork was done. Now, not 
that much time passed before the intense persecution of the Christians commenced, and I would assume that was the motivating force for John to take Mary to Ephesus, where she would be safe, and as they would travel, there would certainly be items that had to be left behind because there just wouldn't have been space to take everything. It's widely believed that the portrait of Mary made from the tabletop was left in the company of a religious community of virgins of the day, and, and during the siege of Jerusalem, that picture was hidden in underground catacombs near a town named Pella, where it remained out of sight for perhaps three centuries. Now, around the year 326, St. Helena, who was the mother of Constantine the Great, was converted to Christianity, and she spent the greater part of the last years of her life searching out, finding, and protecting important relics pertaining to the life of Christ, items that could only be described as sacred, such as the steps Jesus climbed to the quarters of Pontius Pilate after the scourging. She rescued, if you will, those stairs and had them shipped to Rome, for they remain this very day across the street from St. John Lateran's. Well, as the legend tells through the guidance of God, St. Helena located this picture through the directions of the order of nuns who had carefully guarded and protected the icon over the years, and she took the painting with her back to the court of her son, who had a magnificent church built in Constantinople, which he dedicated to the holy name of Mary, and which, for a time, would house this very sacred work of art. Almost as though the world was waiting, when the picture was displayed, those praying before the image started receiving special graces in such large numbers that it began attracting more and more people who came before the portrait and knelt in homage to the Mother of God. Years later, the city would be attacked by Saracens, and during this melee, the miraculous icon was carried throughout the city streets, followed by many worshippers and believers. The sight of this devotion created a great fear among the Saracens who left the city without a battle. During another attack, an arrow struck the holy icon in the throat, and the scar from that arrow remains to this day. Later, there was another emperor who wanted to destroy all religious items because he felt threatened by them. So the miraculous image was hidden once again for a period of several hundred years in Constantine's palace, where it was eventually rediscovered and later handed down to various dignitaries and members of the royal household as something of untold value. Later it was taken from Constantinople to Russia and again was considered a revered gift of the highest value until the year 1352 when that area became the property of Poland, but not really a part of Poland itself. Great progress was made in the country for the people of Poland, but there were always invaders. 
Now, one of the men in power was named Ladislaus, who was a good man and a protector of this holy image. But now the invaders were attacking again, and a great battle ensued. Well, Ladislaus was inspired to fight even harder and won the battle almost miraculously. Believing the icon to be very special, he wanted to protect it at all costs and decided it would be safer if he took it to his birthplace in Silesia. Now, on the way, he stopped in a village for the night, a village by the name of Chestehova, where the icon would spend the night in a chapel. In the morning, it was placed in a horse-drawn wagon, but something very strange happened. The horses refused to move, though they were prodded again and again, but they remained motionless. It was then that Ladislaw prayed for guidance. He stayed a short time, and twice he dreamt that the portrait should remain in Chestehova in a chapel on Jaisnagora, or Bright Hill. He then took the holy icon into the Church of the Assumption because he felt that he was fulfilling the will of God. This was the 26th day of August in the year 1382, and now the legend had ended and the historical records are preserved intact. So convinced of divine providence, Ladislaus not only ordered but financed himself a church, a cloister, and a convent worthy of containing the holy and miraculous painting that would be one day known and loved as Our Lady of Chestehova. Now there was a problem for Ladislaus. He would not be able to stand guard over the icon forever, and he knew that there had to be someone or some group who would be responsible, so he arranged for a group of Pauline fathers from Hungary to come to Chestehova as permanent guardians of the painting. Why not some local order? Well, Ladislav was personally acquainted with this order and considered them to be among the most pious and holy monks in Europe. And so, upon his personal request and those of his cousin, who was a major benefactor of the order, a group from the Pauline order came to Chestehova, and now, about six centuries later, they are still guarding the treasure of Chestehova. Let's just take a moment to examine or visualize this work of heavenly art. Specifically, the size of the painting is about 19 inches high by about 13 inches wide, and the background on which it is painted consists of small wooden boards, about a half inch thick, so it's not impossible that, as legend suggests, it could be the top of the small table that Jesus had made for his mother at a young age under the tutelage of St. Joseph. Now, as I mentioned, the picture has several scars on it. The first scar, as described earlier, was a scar on the throat made by the arrow at the castle, and the other two scars were made by the Hussites in the year 1430 in an attempt to destroy the picture. An interesting sidelight to that action. One of the soldiers, intent on destroying the holy icon with his sword, inflicted two gashes on Our Lady's cheek. 
as he prepared for the first slash and raised his sword to strike. He fell dead on the spot. Now, there's an interesting story here, too. The picture has been cleaned several times, not too well, I would add, but special care had been taken to remove the scars on the face and the throat, and none of these, regardless of the efforts to clean or repair them, were successful. The scars remained exactly as they were, as though the Madonna wanted to remind us how she has suffered, not only through her son's crucifixion, but also by the unfaithfulness of mankind. The portrait now has a crown that was a gift from Pope Pius X. As you will immediately notice, the color of the face is very dark, almost blackish, but there have been a number of possible explanations, but one of the most prevalent was the use of so many candles placed in front of the painting over hundreds of years, actually centuries that would be. It's entirely possible that the smoke from these candles would have darkened the image. But in a way, that may be another message for us, that indeed she is the mother of all people and all races, and that we truly are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, it's interesting to note, too, that every country has its own clothing style, as well as the style and features of people with different ethnicities and backgrounds. But the style of all these contained in the glory of Our Lady of Chestahova seemed to be from the first century in Israel. Our Lady of Chestahova has not been idle. The town of Chestahova was located in Silesia that was not in the early part of the 20th century part of Poland, even though uh, it had a huge Polish population that were well, they all desired to be Polish, but their desire seemed to fall upon deaf ears. But it was through the special devotions to Our Lady that in 1921 that area did, became, did become part of Poland itself. While Our Lady of Czestochowa may not be as well known here, we should add that this blessed image of Our Lady attracts more than two million visitors a year to Czestochowa, which is about 90 miles northwest of Krakow. Blessed John Paul II made at least three visits himself to Czestochowa during his pontificate, and we know of his personal devotion to the Mother of God. The reported miracles associated with Our Lady of Czestochowa would actually fill volumes, but I have selected just one as an example of her power. This story goes back several centuries when other religions were popping up. Now, there was a family named Pokorzynski who had a daughter named Zosia, now, the family was pretty well off financially and even had a maid who watched over little Zosia. The maid was Catholic, and as she spent a great deal of time with Zosia, she would tell her stories about the Catholic faith, the Blessed Mother, as well as the saints and martyrs. And Zosia loved them and kept wanting to know more about this faith that attracted her. So the maid would explain the faith in greater detail. Well, as you can imagine, it didn't take long before Zosia became a convert, 
which obviously infuriated her parents, who tried to bribe her into returning to their beliefs, as well as threatening bodily harm, but Zosha would not budge. She had learned about the martyrs, and it was, and if it was necessary, well, she was willing also to become a martyr. She was severely punished and, and was even confined to being placed in solitude, but she remained firm in her faith and even tried to persuade her parents to become converts. They finally were so infuriated to the point where, in a family meeting, it was decided that she would be burned to death. Great chunks of wood were collected and piled together, and as Zosha was led to the pyre, she held her head upright and said, O Lady of Chestahova, be my protectoress. And then the fire was lit. Well, the flames rose high in the air, and the sound of crackling wood echoed over the crowd that had gathered as the, as the thick smoke enveloped the burning embers. Well, the crowd waited for Zosha's screams, but there was silence. Then, as the fire subsided and the smoke cleared, everyone present drew back in disbelief. In the center of the rubble, Zosha stood untouched by the flames and unhurt by the smoke. She had just one tiny burn on her cheek. Zosha immediately went to the chapel in thanksgiving, and, oh yes, there was another miracle too. Zosha had been born with a defect that gave her speech a very strong lisp, but Our Lady had cured that too. Zosha's speech was now perfect. You see, Our Lady of Chestahova is there for all of us, and I'm sure she stands closest to the throne of God, and again is only a prayer away. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.